realize I'm not on. <laughs> Thank you, Paul, Megan, uh, praise team, you guys for stepping in and leading so well. Uh, it was a sweet time of worship, and I appreciate you guys being willing to, to jump in there. There you are. I was looking for you. I couldn't find you. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Uh, so we continue our series today, Jesus, I Am Statements, and uh, this one is, is one of those that depending on what translation you have, it will depend on what it says. It either says door or gate. We'll explain what the real meaning there is. Uh, both are okay. Both translations are okay, and you'll understand, I think, as we go through the meaning, uh, but there's one thing that's for sure, and that's what it represents, all right? Now, I have, if I can get it out, I didn't plan ahead here and realize that my battery pack was going to be in the way of my wallet. But uh, I have in my wallet, I keep it in my wallet, a key card. And this key card has Wall Highway on the front of it. Any guesses as to what this is for? Gets me in the doors, right? We have slowly, uh, over the, since I've been here, uh, converted all of our doors. We're in the process of doing that to mag locks. And if you look coming in, uh, eventually it will be all the doors, but education building, children's building, preschool. Now these doors, eventually the front doors, there's a little black box on the side. And in order to get in, unless the doors have been programmed to be unlocked, I use this to get in. Now, I keep it in my wallet because I've already lost one, and I don't want to lose another one. I get in trouble when I do that. Uh, so, but but here, here's the point. If, if I don't have this, if you don't have one of these, you're not getting in these doors unless somebody unlocks them for you. You have to have permission. Now, why do we lock our doors? To keep bad people, to keep bad people out, right? Uh, security, protection. Um, and, and the way the maglocks work, by the way, is in, unless it's functioning properly, which, you know, it is, it does, you walk up to the door and you can hear a click and you, that lets you back out into the world, right? So there's entrance through the key card or unlocking, there's exit because the locks release and let you out, but you got to go through the door, right? Uh, I, I wouldn't recommend going through the windows. That's not safe and not good. Uh, but we, we have an, an entrance and an exit. There's protection. There's security. Coming in, going out. And we'll find out as we go through our sermon today, our message today, that all of that is wrapped up in the meaning when Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep or the gate for the sheep. Again, we're in this series, the I Am series, the I Am Statements of Christ. And the I Am Statements of Christ show us, they declare who Jesus is and who he is drastically changes who we are. We're going to see how Jesus as the door changes who we are today if we accept him as that. Put simply, the I Am changes who I am. Greg Matt said that, and uh, he does. It changes. Who he is changes who we are. If you look at the first I am statement, Jesus declared himself uh, as uh, the I am. And by, by using that phrase, I am, he's, he's calling our attention back to the exchange between Moses and God. When God called Moses in the burning bush to go to Pharaoh, the Israelites were in captivity in Egypt. He said, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, who am I supposed to tell them sent me? I mean, Pharaoh's powerful and God just simply says, I am. Ego am I. And that means that is a present tense. God is saying, I am present. I have been, I am, I always will be. But Jesus saying that using the Greek version of that, the Aramaic, when he was speaking. And, 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 and so in our Greek 
translation of that, uh, the original translation, we see him, uh, it is a, a definite reference to who God was, identifying himself as the same God, the I am, the, the one and true holy God. And so he's, he's either saying, he's either 100% accurate in who he is, or he's 100% a blasphemer, right? There's no middle ground there. There's no way to understand this other than he is identifying Jesus through these I am statements, is identifying himself as the same God. Jesus in the New Testament is declaring himself to be the God of the Old Testament. So if you read these, we see the miracles through John. He's showing who he is. Now, here we are in the third I am statement. He's declaring himself. He's declaring who he is. So we have to ask a question right? We have to say ourselves, we have to answer, who do we say God is? But if we, we've got to, we've got to determine, is he telling the truth or is he a blasphemer? Who is Christ? The I am statements answer that question. Look at what Jesus says in the third I am statement, all right? He says in John chapter 10, verse 7 through 10, Jesus said again, I assure you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to me. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come and go out and find pasture. Coming and going. It's not, you know, entering and exiting heaven. We'll, we'll talk about what that means. We'll understand that better before we're done. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Now, that's a verse we quote a lot. When you put it in context... The shepherd and the sheep protecting the sheep. You think about the fact that uh, wolves, animals would come in, steal, kill, and destroy the sheep. The shepherd is protecting them from that. Of course, we have, can apply it. It is applied to Satan, of course, and that's what Jesus is saying, the spiritual application there. But in the context of the protection of the shepherd, it kind of takes on a whole new nuance, doesn't it? A little bit of a, a, a personal meaning. I've come, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come so that you will have life and have it to the full. Now, again, through the I am statements, we discover who Jesus is, and then we discover as a result who we are and who we are intended to be. And in this statement, it's no different. When Jesus identifies himself as the door or the gate, then we are identified as the sheep. Now, that's probably not the most flattering identification because sheep are dumb, but let's be honest, okay? As human beings, you know, all we like sheep have gone astray, correct? And I think we need to all just be honest with ourselves, be honest with God, and say we all have multiple sheep moments throughout the week. We do dumb things. I mean, we just do. And I just imagine God, he's gracious and loving. I, you know, I have kids now, and I'm not going to, you know, talk about some of the dumber things they've done, but let's, if you're a parent, you understand. Sometimes your kids do things and you're just like, I, I don't know how many times I've looked at Mandy and had that, I don't know. I don't know what to do here. I have no clue where they got that idea. Don't you know God looks at us the same way sometimes, uh, but he's patient and he's loving. And as a shepherd loves his sheep and leads his sheep, God leads us faithfully and continually. But we are sheep. So him identifying himself as the door, when you understand, and we will understand what that means, that means we're the sheep, okay? We need to just come to terms with that before we move on, all right? We are the sheep, and he is 
our shepherd. He's also the door. And Jesus explained, you know, in, in, in this day and time, this was mostly an agrarian society. These are farmers, shepherds that he's talking to. So using this terminology, they're identifying in the moment with what he's saying. They understand while we need a little explanation, they understand exactly what he's saying here when he identifies himself as the door or the gate for the sheep. But even in our modern culture, there is application here and we can understand what he means and it applies to us. Even though you may have never had a flock of sheep that you have shepherded, you are, we can identify with this and we can understand. There's a famous Old Testament scholar by the name of Sir Adam Smith, and he used to tell a story. He was traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his, and his sheep, and he began to talk with this shepherd. And the shepherd explained to him, you know, kind of what he did, his job as a shepherd. And he, they came upon a fold, which is this, uh, this area where the sheep would go into at night. The shepherd would lead them into this area. It was four walls and one opening. And so uh, Smith is looking at this fold, and he notices that the opening has no door. And he asks, he said, this is where the sheep go. Do you lead them in there at night, right? And, and the shepherd says, yes, that's what I do. And he says, Smith says, but there's no door. And the shepherd says, I am the door. Now, this guy's not a Christian. He's not speaking the shepherd. He, he, he was an Arab. He's not speaking in New Testament language, he's just simply stating what he does. And, and the, the theologian, Smith, says, what do you mean by that? He says, well, at night, I lead the sheep in. As soon as the lights, as soon as it's dark, I lie in the doorway. I am the door. So that means no wolves, no animals are going to come in unless they go over me, and no sheep are going to go out unless they go over me. I protect them. I am their security. That's what Jesus was saying when he says, I am the door. Protection, security, entrance, and exit. And we're going to unpack what that means for us this morning. Jesus protects. Here's a simple launching point. Jesus protects and he provides for his sheep. He protects us and he provides for everything that we need. So what, what do we need to do to live inside that protection? That's the question I want to ask this morning. What do we need to do to make sure we're living in the protection of our shepherd? Well, number one, we need to identify the shepherd. So we've already identified that. It's Jesus. Well, what, what, what's really involved? I'm not just talking about, you know, even the demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. I'm talking about identifying him as your shepherd and what all that entails. Sheep respond to the shepherd without hesitation. They know his voice intimately. They recognize it. And knowing the voice of the shepherd changes everything for the sheep. He leads them. He guides them. They recognize his voice. They follow him. There's security. They know he, he is their provider. That, that he's going to make sure they're taken care of. And so the sheep recognize the shepherd's voice. We are sheep. Again, maybe not a flattering comparison, but it's the reality. It's the truth. And we desperately need to be able to hear the voice of our shepherd. The problem is that there are too many competing voices. We need desperately to walk in the path that God has chosen for us. We need to hear his voice so that we will know which way to go. But you can't walk in the path unless you listen to the shepherd leading you toward that path, unless we know which path he wants us to, to take. But when we identify his voice, we find an overwhelming sense of confidence in the path that we have ahead because we know we're being led by the good shepherd, the faithful shepherd. 
And understanding that path comes from understanding which path to take comes from understanding the heart of the shepherd and, and his, his plan, his will. Now, for those of us who have a relationship, it's a constant fight to discern his voice. I mean, it, there's, there's competing voices. There's culture with, with lies and, and, you know, all these enticing things that promise life but actually end up leading to death and emptiness. But we have those competing voices nonetheless. At times, you know, we like sheep wander away because we are drawn away by those voices. We don't mean for it to happen sometimes, but, you know, sometimes it is unintentional. We just simply hear these voices and we, we get wrapped up, maybe not even in bad things, but we get wrapped up in whatever is going on in life and, and we find ourselves that those things have, have drowned out the voice of God. Now, sometimes it is intentional, isn't it? We, we walk away from God. We get mad at God or we get frustrated with God because he's not working on our timetable or he's not doing what we think he should do. And we intentionally walk away from God. But many times in our lives, we like sheep wander away from our shepherd. Sheep have a a tendency to wander away and we can't hear his voice. And listen, when we're lost in sin, that's exactly where we are. We are, we are out in the field by ourselves. We can't hear the voice of God because sin is crowding out. His voice, and we are separated from God. So Jesus comes as the door to the sheep or the gate to the sheep, and through him, we have one of the things that we have is everlasting life. And we need to be able to listen to his voice. We need to be able to hear his voice. And in order to do that, we've got to turn down the noise in our lives. We who are his sheep, those who are lost, we need to to respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and accept Christ as Savior, enter the door of salvation, which we'll learn more about in John 14, 6. But we as believers need to be able to listen to the voice of God, which means we've got to turn down the noise. Now, think about it. When was the last time you sat in complete silence? Right now, but it, it, people are already getting uncomfortable, aren't you? And why did you stop? Why is it so difficult for us to sit in silence? It's hard, though, isn't it? I know when I'm sitting with somebody, I'm the one that's, that feels like you, we need to fill the dead air. If you've ever sat with me, you know I can talk and talk and talk. You come in my, <laughs> Caleb's responding, he knows. You come in my office, it's not a short visit, right? Yeah. I can tell when he's ready to go, too. I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll make myself stop talking. But, I mean, <laughs> but it takes a while, doesn't it, Caleb? Melody knows that, too. Yeah. Anybody that comes in my office, no, you, don't come unless you plan on staying for a while, okay? We need to talk. We li- I like to talk. But we are uncomfortable with silence. Why is that? Because we spend all of our lives filling up the noise, don't we? Think about it. Folks walking around with their earbuds in all the time. TV's on all the time at home, noise in the background, and I'm, I'm guilty of that. You know, Mandy and I, we found out real quick when we got married that we were different in that area. I'd turn on the TV just to have noise going on, and she, she doesn't. And she'll ride in the car. I do this more now. It's a discipline I've developed, but, you know, the radio's on all the time in the car, right? I, when we first got married, first started dating, I'd get in her car, and the radio would be off. I'm like, what's wrong with you? She rides around all the time with the radio off. She's probably more sane than I am because I spent so many years. I'll do it now, but I used to not. But we, we're addicted to noise, aren't we? We want noise. We don't like to sit in silence. And so we've got so many things competing for our attention 
And the reality is, and this is a truth we need to grab a hold of this morning, I believe. This is all important because whatever you listen to will lead you. Whatever you're filling your life, this is one of the reasons I've changed some of my habits. I don't keep the TV on all the time anymore. I will ride in silence in the car. Or if I do listen to something, I'm mindful of what I, I listen to. I listen to different things. You know, I like different kinds of music. But I'm more mindful of that now because I realize a discipline that she kind of naturally, I think, had because of her personality and developed as a follower of Christ, I have had to develop as a follower of Christ because whatever we listen to will lead us. If you listen to Hollywood, you're going to be convinced you're ugly and poor. If you listen to the news, you're going to develop a chicken little attitude that the sky is falling, right? If you listen to culture, you're going to live for fashionable fads instead of lasting truth. If you, you're, if you listen to the climate of the day, you're going to be unsettled at best. What we listen to, our ear determines who our shepherd is, who we're following. And a lot of us have chosen to follow the relentless shepherds who are driving us away from peace and security and protection that Jesus offers. We've got to move to the correct field. We need to cultivate the sound of the shepherd's voice. And he wants us to choose it. He, he's not going to force himself on us. He wants us to yearn for it, to have a desire to hear his voice. His voice is distinct. And if you're too busy in life, you'll risk not hearing it. And that would be a great failure to get to the end of your life and know that you missed out following the voice of the shepherd. We risk not hearing it. And we have to turn down all the noise. So ask yourself this question. Here's a good, a good test. Who do I regularly listen to? Who is it that, that leads me? Think about your perspective on life. Who has your ear for defining what life is all about? A world culture, a worldview, a secular worldview, or Christ, a biblical worldview. Do you look at life through the biblical lens? Or do you follow the norms of culture. Who is it? Who's your shepherd? We need to cultivate a listening spiritual ear to his voice and let who he is change not only who we are, but who we are becoming in the process of sanctification, process of becoming like Christ. But the truth of the gospel, here's the thing, the fight is going to look different for all of us. And this is a struggle. You know, hearing the voice of God, there's competing voices, and Satan is intentional about throwing things in our path that will distract us if we'll let him. The fight is going to look different. Your struggle is going to look different than my struggle. Sometimes, as I've already showed you, my struggle is, is being quiet long enough to listen, closing my own mouth long enough to listen. Your struggle may be different. All right, but we all have this fight to cultivate and listen to the voice of God, but it's a fight worth fighting. It's something worth fighting for. God uses different people. I think we kind of fall into the trap of sometimes thinking that, that the only people who hear the voice of God are, are pastors and spiritual leaders and teachers. And, and so we look to them for guidance. And listen, you should certainly listen to the message today. I want you to do that, all right? But I also want you to take what I say and study it yourself and determine whether I'm right or whether I'm a nut, all right? It's your job to do that. You, don't, you shouldn't just listen to my voice 
as some sort of conduit to God or another spiritual leader as a conduit to God. We Certainly God uses those people to lead us and guide us and direct us, but God wants to speak to you directly and intimately. That's the beauty of the good news of the gospel, right? That God pursues us relentlessly. And he pulls us, he draws us to himself. And the beginning of your relationship is that Holy Spirit, that intimate, personal message directly to your heart. Hey, listen, you're in sin. You're lost. But I died for you. And it doesn't get any more personal than that. God wants to speak to you intimately and personally. But you got to reduce the noise. you got to turn down the noise. And Ephesians Chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, Paul says this. He says, I pray that the perception of your mind may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the glorious riches of his inheritance among the saints? He wants to reveal all of that to us, but that can only happen in a relationship where we listen and we, we allow him to control and lead us to reveal himself. Verse 19, and what is the immeasurable greatness of the power of his power to us who believe. He wants us to experience that, but we got to listen to his voice. According to the working of his vast strength, he demonstrated his power in the Messiah by raising him from the dead and seating him at the, his right hand in the heavens. He wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to lead us, guide us. He wants to show us his vast power in our lives as he works through us, as he provides for us, as he uses us for his kingdom work. And it all will cultivate, cultivate with us experiencing the same power that we see in the resurrection of Christ when we too are raised from the dead to eternity. But the only way we experience the fullness of that is if we are walking in fellowship with the shepherd, if we know his voice, if we hear his voice, and if we follow his voice. And Jesus, he longs to speak to us. And he says in Mark 4, 23, if anyone has ears to hear, he should listen. How many of you here have ears? Okay, those of you that are not raising your hand, I want to see you afterwards, okay? I got to see that. Pretty sure everybody here has ears. If you don't, I'm sorry. I apologize. Didn't check beforehand. Not, trying not to be insensitive. But we all can hear. Hey, listen, my brother-in-law has, has ears that do not work. And I'm not saying that jokingly. He has ears that do not work, but he can hear the voice of God. Because he speaks intimately and directly if we will only listen. And that leads us to the next point. First of all, determining the voice of the Lord is the work of a lifetime, the discerning work of a lifetime, but it's worth it. And that's why, number two, we need to develop the discipline of listening. When the Holy Spirit enters our lives, he transforms our hearts, right? He gives us a new life, a new, a brand new heart. He removes the sinful heart, the dirty heart, and gives us a brand new heart spiritually. We don't live in sin. We don't desire sin the way that we used to. We shouldn't, and we don't because we have new desires. We desire Jesus. We desire righteous living. Sinful pursuits will never satisfy my heart. And when we are created new in Christ, we discover this truth, and that's that only Jesus can satisfy the deepest desires of my, hearts, of my heart. Nothing else will. 
Nothing else will fill that hole, that void. We've been remade. We've been born again for holiness and purity, things that we could not achieve when we were lost in sin. And that's why when we as believers sin, we come under conviction, right? We regret it. And, and you can, listen, you can run from the Lord as a believer, but you're going to be under conviction. You may not be honest about it, but you're going to be under conviction because you are his. And he's not going to let you run away without discipline and correction and conviction. We don't experience that conviction We may regret something, but we don't experience that conviction when we're lost because it's a different kind of regret. It's more than just regret. You know, as a result of all of this, I'm different. God has changed me. And then I long to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. Our deepest desire is to know him. Again, the problem is all the noises. There's so many things in our lives. And they they can be bad things, but they don't have to be bad things. The busyness of our schedules. You know, the things that we have to do, paying bills, just the tasks of the day, what's for dinner, where do the kids have to go tonight, you know, what's on my schedule for tomorrow. It's just busyness a lot of times. It's activity. It's things that are good, things that we have to do. But if we allow them to consume us, our, our life is out of focus. And, and those things get out of their proper place and we lose, lose perspective. Our priorities become out of whack. And what happens is that the urgent things that are good, need to be done, have a tendency to swallow the important, what we need to be doing the most, what we need to focus on the most. But here's the beauty of being made new in Christ, okay? He gives you a new heart. With that comes new desires. The beauty of all of this is that when you do make listening to the voice of God your top priority, you realize that it truly is the deepest desire of your heart. And when you begin to feed that desire, it grows. How many of you experienced that? A lot of hand raising today. I have. The more time I spend cultivating, listening to his voice, the more I crave hearing his voice. That was one of the beautiful things about being stuck in Ecuador. I didn't have too many distractions. And that's one of the reasons God left me there. I'm convinced of it more every day. I heard him speak to me in ways clearly that I hadn't. And I'll be honest with you, part of that was because I'd allowed other things to choke out hearing him, just the busyness of pastoring a church, leading a family, the schedule. And so I'm convinced God said, nope, you're going to stay here for a little while, and you're going to listen. And I did. And I came home. The first thing I did when I got home is I set my alarm, and I'm not a morning person, and I'm not bragging here. Don't misunderstand. I'm just sharing with you. I've already shared where I failed listening, right? But I came home, and the first things I did, I told Mandy, I'm setting my alarm clock earlier because I have, I have, I've had the opportunity to spend time with the Lord for extended time without interruption, and I want that to continue. The desire that was already in my heart was cultivated, and it grew, and that will happen if you will let it. Discipline. We need discipline to do this. Let's define discipline. Bing Dictionary. I think it's the first time I've used Bing Dictionary. It defines it as training to ensure proper behavior. But I want to change that definition just a little bit. Discipline. Training to ensure proper listening. That's what we're applying it to do today. And we need discipline to do that. And it takes hard work. There are things that you can do. Studying the Word of God. God speaks through His Word. It's one of He speaks clearly. It's God's revelation of Himself to man. We need to cultivate that habit. Spend time alone. Hebrews 4.12 tells us it's alive. It's active. And it, and it is used for correction and to lead us, to guide us, to to show us who he is. So we need to study the word of God by ourselves 
continually, day after day after day, a habit of spending time in the Word of God and in prayer. We need to do it together with small, in small groups with other believers so that we can learn together and learn from each other. So that we, we need to cultivate the habit of studying the Word of God. He will speak to us through His Word. We need to develop the discipline that feeds the desire that already exists in my heart. You may not even know it, but you have a desire deep down within you for this book right here. Because when you read it, it's not just words on a page. It is the living God speaking directly to your heart and revealing himself to you. If you cultivate that, it will grow. That desire already exists if you are a follower of God. And again, one of the disciplines that I just quickly, one of the disciplines that I use to cultivate listening to the voice of God is spending time regularly in the word of God, studying with other believers, other disciplines, uh, discipleship relationships where I pour into others. Uh, I have mentors in my life that I, that I seek counsel from that pour into me. Uh, giving financially is one of those disciplines that, that, that allows me to tune into the voice of God because it's, it's not just writing a check and putting it in a box or, or clicking something online. It is an act of faith. I'm saying, God, I trust you with my life, so I'm going to give my tithes. And I'm going to do it faithfully because it's all yours. And I, I want to do this in obedience because I trust you to take care of me. And then we give offerings uh, beyond that when we have the opportunity. Those two things are different, by the way. The tithe is something that I give to God and I don't control. I don't determine where that goes. It's an act of faith that I do repeatedly. And the Bible gives us even a measurement for that, 10% of all that I have to God. Beyond that, I give offerings. And, and, and the reason I do that is because it, it increases my dependence on God. And then I get to see, as we are told in Malachi, test me. God says, test me and see if I'll not open the floodgates of blessing. And I've experienced that in my life. But that dependence that I have on God allows me to be more in tune to his voice, studying the word of God, giving, uh, giving my time, my talents, participating in relationships with other believers that will cultivate that because God speaks through his word and he speaks through the Holy Spirit as I walk and fellowship with him and I practice disciplines, especially studying the word of God. And it gives me a greater discernment to recognize his voice. When we hear him speaking, it's the Holy Spirit leading us. We need to identify that. The difficult part is that there are those many competing voices. Satan wants to drown them out. But here's a good, here's a good way to test whether or not it's Satan or something he's causing versus the Holy Spirit. There are some things that Satan will never tell you to do. Some things he will never lead you to do. One is to share your faith with someone who's lost. He'll never lead you to do that. He doesn't want people to be saved. One thing that he is, Satan is never going to tell you to do is to give your resources or your time or your talents in ministry so that you can serve the Lord and advance the kingdom of God and so that others can serve the Lord and advance the kingdom of God. He's never going to, to lead you in a path that, that, that leads you to make peace with others. He's never going to lead you in, in uniting the fellowship of Christ or participating in the fellowship of Christ. He's not going to lead you to do that. The Holy Spirit is going to lead you to do that. When we hear the Holy Spirit speaking, speaking we need to listen. Because it's, it's contrary to those things that I just mentioned. It is the path that many times is contrary to human, human reasoning even. But it's about obedience. It's about love. It's about serving. It's about trusting. Following the path that he has for me. Simply put, the good shepherd speaks truth and leads us into a deeper fruit-bearing relationship while Satan speaks lies and leads us to an empty, barren life. 
Listen to the path, the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of God as he leads. Colossians 3.11, Paul says, In Christ there is no Greek, no Jew, circumcision and uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. God speaks through his word. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. He speaks through believers. And this is kind of the continuing theme. We need each other. We were built for community. There are no long, Lone Ranger Christians who are also fruit-bearing Christians. I, I believe that with all my heart. You can't, you can't do this alone. You weren't meant to do this alone. We need each other. That's why we're here today. And God uses. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that we're all different, yet we're united by the same spirit. Worshiping in Ecuador with the, the Kofan tribe, it was amazing. I couldn't understand a word that preacher was saying. But unmistakably, Jose helped me a few times. He picked up on it. Their, their language is unique. But, but I'm going to tell you, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit was so powerful in that worship experience. Couldn't understand what they were singing. But the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that resided in me, resided in those people. And we were united in that moment in worship. Even though we were different lives, different backgrounds, completely different ways of living. We were united in that moment of worship in a powerful way. The reason for that is that we have the same spirit living within us. The Holy Spirit unites us all. Because of Christ, there's a vast depth that connects believers. And it's not just potluck suppers and fellowship. Those are great. It's deeper than that. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a connection of the heart and soul with the Father and with each other through the Spirit. Jesus prayed this in John chapter 17 about his disciples. He says, I pray not only for these, his disciples, but also for those who, are, who believe in me through their message. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be one in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. We are one, but we have to cultivate that unity and the one the way, one of the ways we do that is cultivate listening and following to the voice of god we need to develop that discipline through time in his word spiritual disciplines listening to the holy spirit a community of believers we are we develop we cultivate the discipline of listening to the voice of god and and canceling out all the other noises that would distract us from doing so then we are able to live inside the door you want to live in the protection security of Christ, you have to do all of these things. Identify who he is as your savior, as your shepherd, leading you daily, following him daily. Cultivate the discipline of listening to his voice. And then you experience the beauty, the joy of living inside the door. Doors change everything, don't they? They change everything. Jesus claims to be the bread of life. He claims to be the light of the world. His third claim here is the door, the gate for the sheep is significant. You know, and, and intentionally, it comes right before the next, I am the shepherd, which we'll look at next week, because he's setting us up. Everything here is ramping us up to be able to listen to the good shepherd as he leads us. Unless we're in the sheep pen, in the fold, we don't belong to him. Our understanding of who Jesus is takes an incredible turn when he claims to be the door preparing us to follow the sheep. Because the doors change everything. Now, I've got a, an illustration that I'm going to need help with. It's incredibly dangerous. So I'm asking Caleb to help me do it today, okay? <laughs> Not really. But I am asking him to help me. Caleb, uh, hopefully the camera can follow us over here. we got a door over here, all right? And, you know, it, it's not dangerous, but, you know, 
I, I picked him because it is a little strange. All right, Caleb, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, all right? On the other side of the door, come on, it's okay. He's about, we're about to find out how much he trusts me, all right? <laughs> on the other side, now don't turn the light on, okay? Just step inside here for just a minute. Leave the light off, all right? All right, I'm going to close the door. You okay? okay? All right, here we go. Now, I can hear Caleb. Caleb, you doing okay in there? No. No, he says. <laughs> Why is it not okay in there? Because it's dark. He's, you know, I, I'm afraid of the dark. Are you afraid of the dark? Yeah. yeah, he's afraid of the dark. So would you say that life is different on that side of the door? Yeah. Definitely different. So do you want to hang out in there for a while, or would you like to come back out here with us? <laughs> what do y'all think? Should I let him back out again? It's kind of it's mixed out here, Caleb. I don't know. Some, of, some people want to torture you a little bit longer, but we'll let you out. He's inside, in darkness. Now you can step back out into the light. Who, All right. who said no? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being, being so good. To, but here's the point. In a dramatic, somewhat humorous way, we've just illustrated a very important point there, right? Life is completely different on the other side of the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And we're going to explore this more in John chapter 14, verse 6. But one of the meanings of that is that on one side of the door of life, there's darkness, there's emptiness, there's the feeling of being lost and separated because you are by sin. And Jesus, one of the things he's saying here as the door is that he's saying that if you will believe in me, if you will enter through me, you can experience what Caleb just experienced in a physical sense, going from the darkness to the light, you can experience spiritually. You can enter into a relationship with God through the Savior, through the shepherd, and experience eternal life. So there's great meaning here. Doors change everything, and God provides spiritually a door for us to enter. Through Jesus' death, his resurrection, we can have eternal life. He is holy, God is. He created us to know and enjoy him, but sin separated us from God, and we need to be reconnected. And the only way for that to happen is to enter through the door. That's the good news of the gospel, right? That God sent his son to take on our sin, to die, to live a perfect life, to die for our sins, to pay that price we could not pay. And then he, he, he raised him from the dead miraculously so that we could be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be rescued from hell and enter into an eternal relationship with God through the door. That is Jesus Christ. And that's why he says in chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come out. He will go out. He will come in and then he will go out and find pasture. So if we come to realize the truth, that truth, you'll never look at a door the same way again. It's no longer just, there's no hinges there, but a piece of wood on hinges, a gate. There's no longer just, you know, rusty bars hanging on a fence post. When you look at a door, you'll think about who Jesus is, the eternal life that he offers, and the life ahead that he offers. Doors are vibrant reminders of God's grace and his mercy, constant recollections of his character, who he is as our good shepherd, calling out that Jesus is the door. Those are reminders. Doors make a huge difference. I mean, you have doors in houses, right? We have doors in buildings. Life on the inside of that house is different than life on the outside. Life in here right now is different than life outside these doors. There are gates in stadiums, in theme parks, on ranches, gated communities. Life is different inside the gates of those places than they are on the outside of those gates. Gates and doors change everything. 
And there's a difference between life inside the fold, the family of God, versus outside the family of God. Apart from him, life is confusing and meaningless. Life is vastly different inside the fold. The door of the sheep in and out of the pen is a significant passageway. The shepherd guards it, and nothing and no one is allowed to enter the pen except through the door, and no one's allowed to exit. Now, what does he mean by going in and out? We enter through the door into the protection and the security of being a part of the family of God, being saved by, by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But then one day, we will get to go out to pasture. One day, we will go out of the door into eternity. That's our future. We enter through the door into salvation, and then we exit through the door into eternity with Jesus Christ. We have a future in this life to make an impact for his kingdom, to know him more, to grow in him, but then we also have a future in eternity. Yes, he protects us in this life, but hey, people are martyred every day around the world for serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It won't happen until he allows it. He controls our destiny. He controls our lives, but one day your heart will stop beating. Your life will be over. In this life, you will have trials. You will suffer. Jesus is still protecting you in that, but one day that protection will be complete in the sense that we will be in a place where there is no more suffering or death, pain, sickness. That's part of being inside the fold. I brought a lock with me, and I'm going to finish up here in just a few minutes. It's a combination lock. I just bought it. And, you know, these things are neat. Immediately, I'm having flashbacks of my locker at school. You ever have that dream where you can't remember the combination to your locker? School messes you up, I'm telling you. I have dreams about school. Mandy and I were talking about this the other day. But I've got this brand new lock. Um, it's locked. And we use these things to protect. I mean, this isn't a very strong one. It was really the cheapest one I could find. But the, the point is, is that if I want to open this, what do I have to do? I have the combination. I'm not going to tell you all my combination. But I'm going to open it. Huh? Don't be looking. Hey, where the, where's the camera right now? You don't be looking at my combination. What y'all doing? I don't even know if I can change it. Hey, it worked. The right combination. One way in, one way out. If you want to open the door, there's only one way, and that's through Jesus. Again, we're going to explore that more in John chapter 14, 6, but it's so very important. If you want to know God's destiny for you, if you want to experience the fullness of life, his plan for you, the path that he has for you, you got to drown out the noise. And that may begin by listening to the voice of God for the first time. It's the story of a little boy who came home from Sunday school. They were getting in the car after church, and, and he was telling his mom the verse that he had learned for the day. He was excited to tell her about it, and it was Psalm 23. And, of course, Psalm 23, the actual verse is, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But in his hearing and understanding the little boy misquoted the verse just a little bit. He said, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. His mom didn't bother to correct him because he had just learned something that's so very valuable that we all need to learn. And that's, that's, by the way, all wrapped up in Psalm 23. He didn't get it wrong. If we have the shepherd, if we are in tune to his voice, if we have responded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and entered into a life-changing salvation relationship with him 
we will find, if we will trust him from day to day, if we will do the work of cultivating, hearing his voice, and if we will truly follow the path that he has for us, we will learn what that little boy learned, and that's the truth of walking through that door and experiencing that Jesus Christ, our good shepherd, in him we have all that we could ever want and more. You may not even know you want it yet, but that's part of the beauty of following Christ is discovering The Lord is my shepherd, and he is all I could ever want. Nothing more will satisfy the deepest desires of my heart. So two questions as we finish. Number one, have you stepped through that door today? Caleb's glad I let him step through. Oh, he's stronger than me. He probably could have got the door open. But still, you're glad you stepped through on this side, right? Have you stepped through the door of salvation? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? If not, you'll never experience what I'm talking about today. You've got to trust that he is the way. You've got to believe he died for your sins. You've got to confess your sins. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to know everything there is to know. you just got to know that he's your Savior, and he died for you, and he was raised from the dead, and he is the only way to heaven. Accept him as Lord and Savior. You can do that in just a few moments as we pray. If you are a follower of Christ, are you listening to his voice? Are you truly cultivating that habit of listening Are the noises of life just drowning everything out? We've all been there. I just shared with you. I've I've been there recently. All right? You're a human being. We all fail. Maybe you're just letting life choke out the, the voice of God. Do what's necessary to turn down the noise. I guarantee you, you won't regret it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for what you've done for us. Jesus, you came to this earth and did what none of us could do. You lived a perfect life. And you died taking on all of our sin, the sin of the world, the wrath of your Father. You suffered and died as a perfect sacrifice for our sins so that we could be saved. But you don't don't force that on us. We have to choose to follow you. We have to accept that gift that you offer like any other gift. We have to accept it. And I pray that if there's someone here today or someone at home who's never accepted that gift, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would invite you into their lives. Admit that that like all of us, they have sinned and fallen short of your glory and that they can only have forgiveness from you. And if they will cry out to you and invite you into their life and ask for forgiveness, they will experience the beauty of salvation and your presence as you fill them with your spirit. For those of us who know you, are we listening to your voice? If not, what is it that's drowning your voice out? What is it in our lives that we need to to put in its proper place or get rid of altogether if it's sin? Lord, help us identify that area so that we can submit to you and cultivate the habit of listening to you. Because, Lord, we want to follow the path that you have for us. For those of us who know you, we know what life is like following our own path and what that leads to. We know that you have a perfect future for us. Not a future without pain and suffering in this life. Not a future without trials and tribulations. But a future that that makes an impact for your kingdom and your glory and draws us closer to you. Lord, we want that. I desire that in my life. Lead us and direct us. And I pray that we would... Do the work of of cultivating the discipline of listening and following. Whatever we need to do in this time of commitment, Lord, lead us, show us, may we respond in Jesus' name.
Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?